When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, score! Ray Bork. Score! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot. Over the rocks. He gets loose. And Bergeron scores. Patrice There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans. I'm Mark, and welcome back for Episode 54 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Beast from the Northeast Sports Clothing Company. If you're in the market for some one-of-a-kind Boston sport designs, please go to NortheastBeast.com and enter spend. Special listener promo code Black and Gold for 15% off future orders. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to cut the cost of running our podcast and website, please go to blackandgoldhockeyblog.com and click on the Amazon banner to the right of the screen. We would certainly appreciate the support. Um, I have to do, welcome in uh, my co-host uh, Rob Tomlin and Court Lawan. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Anyone else there? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Are you guys all Did there? Did you lose Rob? Did somehow Rob get Mike's computer from Bruins Beat? Wow. Yeah, I was, that was so good. I had to say all it. Right. He's, he's all right. He's out. He's out out? Yep. Yeah, he's out. All right. Get, the fact that, okay, can we, because I know how hard it was you to say everything that just happened, so... Can you somehow re-edit it when we get him back in, or? I th- I think he's here now. Yeah, I'm back. I don't know what Oof. happened. You just totally cut out on my end. That's all right. Um, so I'm being outnumbered now. There's, Rob there's Rob had a Americans. Now. Rob had a <laughs> Rob had a Brexit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Brexit happened. 
Oh no. Um, hey, I'm Canadian. Don't 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 want me in with them. <laughs> yeah, but you in the Americas, it's it's. Fun. Yes, but it's totally different. Uh, well, <laughs> wow. I don't know about that one. <laughs> uh, well, well yeah. welcome everybody. <laughs> uh, welcome oh, back for the uh, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, where we are not biased about where we love to hang out. Um, uh, we got a very interesting show uh, today planned. A uh, lot of topics on the agenda. Um, hopefully, uh, my boy Rob and my boy Cord are doing well, um, and we will definitely discuss the events that happened last night um, later on in the show. So let's try to save it as much as we can. Um, I know it was uh, heart attack material for about four hours, but... Um, we were going to have a good friend of the show on, uh, Brandon Shear Cohen. Uh, he writes for uh, CausewayCrowd.com. But uh, due to uh, school commitments, uh, he's involved in a serious semester crunch. So um, we have uh, Spencer <laughs> Fischetta. I hope I got that right again. I'm really sorry if I didn't. But uh, he's a sport, uh, stats and analytics nerd at Endicott College here in Beverly, Mass. Um, and he's a he operates the Puck Nerd and Puck Rants YouTube channel and affiliate podcast. Uh, you can find him at pucknerd.com on Twitter. Uh, Spencer, welcome aboard, sir, and thank you for coming on on short notice. Yeah, no problem, guys. I'm really excited and a big fan of the show. Uh, it's my this is my big time debut on the uh, on the world stage, so uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure you'll do fine. Uh, you're a good tweeter. You've got um, good hockey knowledge, and uh, one of the reasons why I, I had you on my list to um, to uh, to join us today. So uh, welcome aboard. Oh, I appreciate it. All right. Well, the um, games uh, three and four didn't exactly start off as I thought. Games one and two would last week. They games one and two. They split the series at one and one. But on Monday night, um, an an overtime game. All these games are like one goal games, and it's so frustrating. But it it, it is what it is. And um, but on Monday night they lost four to three. And on Wednesday night they lose one to nothing. But last night's game was just an amazing one. They're facing elimination, and they just they come down two to nothing in the first period. And oh, I think it was the first period. But they're down two to nothing regardless. But come back as a group and fight back with some a player that I mean just amazed me to come back and double overtime and win it. Um, how did you guys feel about the week and the games that happened, the three games this week? Um, to me, it, it's how you called it before. Um, we were surprised that the Bruins made the playoffs. That was the the expectation for the Bruins to make the playoffs. That's the, That was the goal. And I think they're starting to realize that now they can make it, it's about building that team that can stay in the playoffs. So if we go out in the first round, to me, it's still an accomplishment. So I'm really happy with 
how the team's gone on, to be honest. I I I agree with with uh, Rob's assessment. I was I was a little bit shocked that we made the playoffs. I'm I'm, I'm not uh, I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but uh, it is what it is. I didn't I didn't think the way they were playing um, right after the All Star break uh, was a playoff team. Uh, they came together in the end, and we actually pulled it off this year instead of the opposite. Um, but so far with the Senators, I I felt we have been outplayed. Um, Tuca's kept us in the games. Uh, but it's been uncharacteristic of the Boston Bruins um, from what I've seen. Like, we are missing four of our, our defensemen, which is a, is a huge loss. Now it's three because um, we got Miller back. But when we're losing faceoffs, like we – last night was, I think, the first game that we beat them in faceoffs, the whole series. Yeah. And that's something – like, and I'm talking about Bergeron even not – like, last night he had his – he had a good game in faceoffs, but he hasn't been really um, winning the faceoffs, but – it's just been one of those weird things. We're out hitting teams, which is great. Um, Ottawa is getting a lot of block shots. It seems that uh, anytime we try and put something on the net, especially Marshan, it's hitting somebody. So maybe we just got to find some lanes. But uh, last night, uh, after the whole Krejci thing, and even Cassidy said it, um, I don't know who it was on the Senators that made the comment that he made, but uh, I'm so glad he did. Yeah. It seemed to piss the team off. Uh, and, oh. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about them block shots as well, sorry about that. Um, when you're talking about the block shots, you look at their top four defensemen. you got a guy like Mark Mathot, who's known for blocking shots and being a tough guy. Uh, Eric Carlson has become one of the best all-round defensemen in the league. Has blocked insane amount of shots over this series. You've got Cody Cece, the young prodigy over there, who is known for being quite good defensively and then you've got Dion Phaneuf who is his best part of his game is in his own zone so I mean when you look at a team like that it's going to be hard to beat him and never mind about the, the speed that they've got up front because that's what's killing our team is the the speed of their forwards so yeah I, I, I don't know about you guys but I feel like this has really come down to two things uh the neutral zone for the Senators is almost impenetrable, and I don't think the Bruins have really figured out a surefire way to beat the trap. Uh, and every time Eric Carlson gets the puck, a bunch of the players just stop and watch. And that's that, to me, is the most frustrating part of the series thus far, is that I don't think they've been out of the games. I think that they're letting guy like Carlson get in their heads and it's a little difficult to game plan for a defenseman rather than a forward that's pushing the attack but that's really what you have to do if you want to be successful against Ottawa and I don't think they found the right combination of uh four checking and line combos and everything to neutralize the threat that is Eric Carlson I don't think we have the speed to to match up with Eric Carlson he's a he's a he's a generational player for defensemen um I'm not gonna go along with I can't believe TSN um what they said about him and said that he's the second coming of Bobby Orr yeah I I got a little offended by that um yeah. and and I talked to my father about it today and he he his exact words was my tweet it wasn't me it was my father saying um stop with the comparison there's only one Bobby Orr please stop insulting each other <laughs> um he, Eric Carlson's amazing uh, he's got so much speed. He's got so much range. He sees the puck. He sees the play differently. He generates offense. Unfortunately, we don't have the speed to match with that. But 
if you guys did notice the game winner in overtime for a young kid, what he did, he lifted Eric Carlson's stick before, got Carlson Carlson off him, then got the puck and scored the game winner. So if maybe it's the young kids on this team that are going to take it to that next level. Um, McAvoy learned a little hard lesson in the last game. I'm sure you guys all saw it in overtime when he tried to play with the puck a little too much. Uh, and he almost cost us the game, but he did learn. You saw him as soon as he went to the bench, he talks to Chara. I think it's our young kids that have some of this speed that are actually going to change the tide in this series because we're down. We should be, the series should be over considering how many players are injured and, and what's going on and what's happened to us in this series because I'm sure we're going to talk about all the calls that have gone the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, but these young kids have stepped it up and surprised a lot of people. Um, Tuka's played amazing. He played unbelievable last night. It was probably his yeah. best game so far in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Um, but Kurt, Kurt, it was unbelievable. His play, just to get the game winner, yes, it was an empty net pretty much he's shooting on, but what he did to get to that position was j- impressive just in itself. Well, if you look at it, he should really have had four goals last night. If goals weren't brought back, he should have had four, really. But, I mean, there, there was the one that stopped on the line. And then the one that got called back as well. So well, the one that got called back, I I believe, um, Achari was actually the one who put it in finally. Yeah, but it, still, it, saying it was Curley, but I, I watched the replay and I, I don't understand because yeah. it's definitely Achari who puts it in. Curley made all the effort. Yeah, still he'd have three goals and an assist, yeah. which is crazy for a kid who's like that. I believe that's his first NHL goal. I don't think he yes. got yeah, one. First two, yeah, first two. Totals. Yeah, so. I mean, the thing for me is when I watched the replay today is Curley played a lot differently than he did when he got called up before. He played more like he does in Providence. I think he's he's definitely more of a like uh, create-his-own-offense uh, type of guy. He'll, he'll just do what he wants, and I think it's better to just unleash him on the team than try and mould him into a player. Uh, and people, I, I think before they wanted him to play a Bergeron type of game where it's 200 foot and think about your defence first, don't get caught too deep. And now he's just being let loose. You saw him behind the net last night. How, how many times did he get behind the net? Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the best thing to do with this forward core is just tell them, go to the boards, go hard, go behind the net. Because if you if you watch Ottawa when we've had the puck behind the net, they've had both defensemen at either post. No defenseman has gone behind the net to take it away. I mean, use that. That's it's definitely it, one thing that can attack them. It's kind of funny because before the game, I was actually talking to Spencer about Spooner coming out and Curley going in and how excited I was for it. We were actually talking on Twitter about it. It was actually pretty funny, and someone else jumped in and tried to tell me that uh, Spooner was hurt, and we actually ended up looking into it. He actually really wasn't. Um, he wasn't 100%, but it was Cassidy's call to pull him out of the lineup, and it, it ended up being the right call. He wanted to add some grit and, and some speed and try and get some fresh eyes on a guy that was having a little bit of frustration out there in Spooner. Um, but I do want to give a shout-out to a, a friend of ours, uh, Frank Dottie, who actually called exactly play-by-play of what was going to happen in overtime and how the kid was going to score the goal, which is crazy. He called... And and there was going to be one call back that yeah. called as well, which is I, I insane. Don't, I don't get it. He's friend of the show, and he, he pulled it off last night. He he called the callback, and he called the goal. So 
kudos to that you. Is, that is, yeah. he's been back to the future, hasn't he? Definitely, yeah. definitely going to be something in the water in Illinois. Yeah. That is uh, crazy. Real quick, I just want to touch on, um, uh, give my opinion about, about Curly, Curly, ah, Corrali. Um, from watching a lot of his games down at Providence um, this year, uh, I see a very um, a mixed player. He's got skill, he's got talent, he's got great attributes, but he's, he plays a heavy game. Uh, he's very good along the boards. He crashes the net hard. But he, to me, in Providence, he calls out to be a third or fourth line, bottom six forward. So... When he got inserted into a top six role with the with the loss of Krejci in the first period, I believe that excelled his game and brought out more of what he can actually do and offer this team. And what I want to do right now is I want to segue that right into what Spencer is going to talk about with um, Spooner. Um, Spencer, I gotta I gotta ask you, do you feel is that um, game? Four might have been the last game for Ryan Spooner? Uh, no, because I don't think that Krejci is going to be ready to go tomorrow. And I think Spooner's going to have to be put in there. They don't exactly have the center depth, I think, that they trust to put someone in that top six role. And I think if Spooner's given free reign to just do offense and not have to worry about defense as much, he'll be okay. But I also think that it's probably his last season i see him as a as a uh, a sign and trade or trade his his rfa rights before uh they expire that's exactly what we were talking about yesterday spencer right before the yeah. game yeah it, it's it's looking very very clear that he's he's his days are numbered at this point he's he's got really really good offensive talent he just is one of the streakiest players I have seen in a long time. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. And I, I was saying, I was saying a few, I think a few episodes ago, his value is so high because a lot of the other teams see him as a top, like a top two sentiment. So he could either play it like the second line, definitely, or can fill in for a first line role sometimes. Uh, and I know a couple of analysts have said that there's a possibility of him being a second line NHL center for his offensive talent. Yeah. Well, um, his, and I mean, uh... you look over, you look around the league and what people are giving up for, like players like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could get, we could get a high return for him. We could get, I mean. Even if it's just draft picks and a prospect, you just say, right, it hasn't worked out, we move on, but we get something back for it. You just and don't you, want to let him walk. And you're saving the cap space because he's an RFA at the end of the year. And yeah. and I, I believe we talked about it last week when I when we said when McAvoy first came in, and I, I, I still am impressed with the kid. As soon as I saw McAvoy on the point on the power play, I said Spooner's days are numbered. Uh, he, yeah. His Spooner's pre, only role near the end of this year was – the fact that he could play the point on the power play, and he, he plays it well. He moves the puck well. He's got great vision out there. It's just unfortunate that he's just not fitting in. And he's a good player. It's, it's just maybe sometimes, you know, it's a time for time for a change of scenery. Just like when we had to lose Claude this year, Claude's a good coach. It's just it, was his t- it wasn't his time anymore. And, and unfortunately, 
Spooner's not fitting in. He had a great year um, last year. It's just it's just not working out for him. But last year he was also filling in for Krejci. If he's not getting the minutes, we don't see it from him. He's not being well, able to generate minutes, generate points num- in lower minutes. His number one asset is his skating as well. Like yeah. the way he skates, he that whole like twelve to six way he skates is you don't see that around the league, and it confuses defensemen when he does it because they can't tell which direction he's thinking of going. So I mean, like I I think he's not let uh, he's not allowed to use his skating game with the Bruins because it is. If he gives up the puck while he's skating, that's it. The the team's going the other way, and he's left behind. But, I mean, if he went to another team and played in the top six where he's allowed to make mistakes, he could do good. He could do great on a team like Nashville Predators. Fast, yeah. fast puck-moving team that that has size on the wing, because that's what they have, to uh, to play down the middle for them because they don't need the size in the middle like most teams do. And that's that's the only asset he doesn't have for a centerman. He doesn't have the size. size. Well, but he's got and, this, like Rob saying. And they've just, lost, they've just lost they've just lost Mike Ribeiro. Yeah. So I mean, there's they need someone to fill in that role. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's there's probably about 6 or 7 teams around the league that could do with a Ryan Spooner on the team. And they ha- so. they happen to have this guy named they have a plethora of defense and they have a, this left shooting guy I believe his name's Ryan Ellis that's the sarcasm here oh. um, that's pretty pretty darn good that I if love we me get from Ryan back, Ellis yeah. Ryan Ellis is right handed right handed oh okay forget him <laughs> forget him we need a lefty forget I, it. I mean you have like Eckholm who is left handed who's a young guy who's meant to be like a hit or miss prodigy on the blue <laughs> line I mean you. Nashville have just like they have about three defensemen ready to come up from the AHL mm-hmm. next season. They also have about five players all on four years or more contracts. So there is guys there available, uh, but like they have, they have a also just an unreal amount of guys who could play the third line on the wing and score goals and have speed. And that's what I'd rather we saw come out of this. And let one of the young guys play defense next year. Um, I mean, Zaboral, like uh, Zaboral, Lawson, one of those guys might have the game to fit in on the bottom line. If they don't, you re-sign Morrow for a year. Well, isn't Lozon with Providence now, Mark? Yes, but he's Who's not. He's, yes, he's in the line. He's on the roster, but he's not in the lineup. Yeah, and that's the right thing to do because. The guy's just shown up now. You don't scratch some guy who's played an entire season just for a kid to play. Right. If that kid's going to be there next year, you don't just give up the spot. The reason those guys got got uh, like got spots last year is for the amateur tryout things. Some of the players. And so, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the roster spots that um, that they not, not. I'm sorry. A lot of the insertions into the roster and not the lineup. Is to give them a more of a professional feel, um, like yeah. like Zach Senishin, um was brought up from the OHL Sault Saint Marie Greyhounds last season, but never got into a playoff game, even though there were only three playoff games because Wilkes Barre Grant and Penguins swept them. But um, yeah, yeah they're, they're we'll up for... soon find out what that's like tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get into that um, a little <laughs> you don't later. Don't feel thunder, Rob. I'm but sorry. um, um 
Just checking. I was going for the segue, but it's too early. Oh, here, just to let you know, um, a a live update, Um, Mark, Darren Burris has officially just drove by and waved. Um, (laughs) He he just sent me a message, just just to let you know, he wanted to let you know. Darren, I'm waving right now, 49, I mean, uh, Interstate 95 is uh, very close, so uh, safe travels. Um, I wish I knew earlier, I would have, I would have, you know, had a beer with you or something, but. Uh, be safe uh, and have fun in Boston uh, this weekend. Uh, just real quick, t- touching on on on, on Ryan Spooner, um, the kid is fast, and and there's no doubt about that. And I believe that his speed warrants him time on the power play, but his production on the power play has slowly uh, disintegrated. Um, he had 39 points last season. And 18 of those 39 were power play points. But towards the end of the year on the power play, he's been basically a no-show. And, and especially in the four games that he got into uh, his first four uh, playoff uh, games, career games. So he's got two assists. He's contributing a little bit. But if he's not doing point production on the power play... My question is, why is he there? Put him on another area of the team, but the power play might not be where he's needed right now. It, it sounds like they're trying to fit a square peg in a circular hole is what yeah. they're doing. But it, it's it's even more perplexing because they have a, a Ryan Spooner replacement already. I went through and I looked at some, some comparables for him in terms of his his uh, possession stats and how he's been playing. They have, there's Dennis Mulgan from Florida, Kevin LeBanc from San Jose, Andre Kasha from Anaheim, uh, Vinny Henestroza out of Chicago, Drake Kajula out of Vancouver, Anthony Beauvillier out of the Islanders, and Austin Zarnick <laughs> was wow. the third most comparable player to Ryan Spooner in terms of production and possession. So... Out of everyone that I named, the only one to play the full year was Beauvillier in the NHL. He had more points than Spooner did in 12 fewer games. Wow. Spooner only had 18 points this year. 18. I, I wonder, do you know how much Kasha had from Anaheim? Because I know that kid's been on fire. Thir- um, uh, Kasha had 13. Yeah. This and movie. he's he hardly played. I don't think he played half the season, maybe not even that. Yeah, fifty three games. So and yeah. Zarnik had nine points in forty nine games. He had half of Spooner's production in a little under half, a little over half of his games. So you have a ready made replacement there. Who also brings in. size? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zarnik's, and Zarnik's a good player. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that scared me about that, Spencer, is now you're letting me think that his value is not that good anymore. (laughs) No, I think it is, though, because you look at that list and they're all really young, exciting, up-and-coming players. So I think that, like, Beauvillier is a former first-round pick. Uh, Mulgan is what looks like a steal from the fourth round for Florida. Kajula was a a high-end free agent signing out of college after his senior year. Those are all guys that you're going to that teams are looking for to plug into their offense to drive play. The only thing that I hope they don't look at uh, is how Spooner drives play because right now he's sitting underneath 
Matt Bolesky and Riley Nash in terms Ooh. of both, uh, expected goals for percentage and uh, RC4 percentage, which are his possession numbers and how many goals are expected that he produces when he's on the ice. So I'm hoping that teams don't look into that too closely. <laughs> but uh, I, I have a feeling not, they will. Yeah. And he's not, he's not he's not as as he's not as productive as as we've made him out to be he's a very exciting dynamic player there are very few players that have his kind of edge work that he uses in the offensive zone and i think that given the opportunity in the right situation he's absolutely a bona fide second line center and he'll drive that line he's not being given the opportunity because he also does not play with the greatest quality of teammates because that's the other thing I looked at and he's in the bottom half of the Bruins quality of teammates play he's play he's not playing with very good players that drive play either so he's doing the best he can with what he has it's not fantastic but it's also not close to where I think his ceiling could be given the right opportunity and the right space you've seen that when he's had to replace Krejci on that second line, yeah. he's looked great. But he's not well, I mean, in that position all the time. You give him Pasternak and Marshand on either side of him, and I guarantee he produces points. That's ridiculous. But you, give him, you give him Bolesky and Jimmy Hayes, he's not going to put up much points. But they get to call them the VHS line. They love the name. <laughs> but yeah. what, what, one, thing I, one thing I think does hurt him also a little bit is he's the one who, if he if we all remember, he called out Julian after the whole firing and pretty much blamed his production on Julian. Well, it doesn't look like that was the problem. Yeah, we got Um, a new coach now. Where where are you? Yeah, Yeah. and I also found out, someone was telling me, I guess when he was in the OHL, he kind of had a hissy fit and asked to be traded down there too. I didn't like his coach and got traded to Kingston from Peterborough. So maybe he's just a problem. I'm I'm not too sure, And, and maybe he just... Like I said, maybe it's just time for him to move on. But if you also look at the center depth for next year, I mean, you've got Bergeron and Krejci as a lock. JFK. I say, I, I think you've definitely got Achari as a lock for the fourth line because the mm-hmm. Bruins have put a lot of time into that guy, and I really think that they're going to keep him up there next year. Yeah, Moore's not coming back, I don't think. No, And but... then on that third line center, you've got Curley, JFK, Zarnik, how many options are there for that third line center spot? A lot. And Mark, you were saying you were saying JFK is he's a natural center. He it's yeah. not like you can flow him over to the wing. Right. But I mean, if you work with him on the development camp that's uh, going to set up this summer on uh, in July and you get him into rookie camp and then you get him into the NHL camp in September, you know, you have all that time to get him used to another position. You know, it's not like he's just going to come in and just jump from the center to the to a right or left side. Uh, I I think if there's if there's versatility needed and he wants to play, he's going to have to learn to, uh, to adjust his game. I mean, look at Ryan Spooner. I hate I hate bringing this kid up all the time, but uh, natural position, natural center position, but also was was forced to uh, uh, from injuries and and better players coming into the lineup that he had to was forced to go on the right side. So, And he looked miserable playing on the wing. Oh, absolutely. He, he, he does not know where he's going. He doesn't seem to know 
what he needs to do, and he doesn't look at all comfortable. He, he ne- completely negates his game when he's on the wing, so it's not even worth it to, to yeah. try it. He looks a little t- tentative to go in the corners. The there's only right. one problem we see in that about Ryan Spooner. If, if you look at all the holes that he filled due to injury on the wing, every single slot that he went into was made for a power forward. Right. For someone who's going to hit and smash. Because he played the right side of the third line, which has always been a big player. Uh, he played the right side of Krejci, who's always been a big player. Um, and then he played the right side of Bergeron's line. And we all know Bergeron only passes left. So Yes. <laughs> That's why like all these people that get mad that Pasternak's not on there, it makes perfect sense to throw Bacchus oh, yeah. on there. That, and if you notice, Bacchus went back on for until Krejci got injured, and Marchand didn't have to do all that corner stuff, that spinorama thing he continues to do over and over and over again. I think he oh. got a highlight of it on the NHL network, and he was like, yeah. right, I found how the Bruins get highlights. Yeah, like, <laughs> he does it every time. He comes in. Next game we watch, guys, watch. Marchand comes in. He stops, does this turn thing. Just, just yeah. do something else, please, because he's such a good player, and he's – Looking invisible out there. Can I talk about one thing though? Yeah. There is one guy who is showing leadership beyond his years. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. And it is David Pasternak. Oh, I was did just, you yeah. did you see him and that goal? Yeah. He he shouted at everyone, "Come on, let's go, let's go." Like as soon as the puck entered the net, he was screaming at his other players. He went to the bench, and while he's fist bumping, he's going, "Come on, lads, let's go, let's go, let's get going." And he's hitting that, for a kid, for a kid who is like what twenty years old. Yeah, I mean, this like you don't see it around the league, and this is what the Bruins need. They need these young players to step up because, I mean, Bergeron and Krejci aren't going to be around forever. Uh, David Backus definitely isn't going to be around forever. And Chara's looking like he's either at the end of his career this year or next year. So, I so mean... He was he was plus one last game with six shots on net. Yeah. Fast and, neck, which is amazing. Yeah. And he, he just seems to, like... I think the, the Paul season has just made him a completely different player. Because he looks totally different than he did all season he's playing uh, ang- he's playing angry is what yeah. he's doing he's playing he's angry that they're down right now and that they've been beaten the way they've been beaten and he's determined not to let it happen again and you can see it every time he steps on the ice he's his eyes will bore holes right through you through the television yeah. well but i know there was a point where he was stood with a fan and the fan was trying to get a photo with him and for about Five minutes. He was trying to train his best not to smile or like look at the fan. He looked really pissed off, and then all of a sudden he like had to give him a little smile and throw him a puck. Right, but, you know, actually, that fan is is a, is a, a friend. It's that Tesla yeah. girl that we know from Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So that that is crazy. But, uh, hey, so you're talking about Achari, um, both Rob and Mark. Do you know guy had 28 minutes last night? Yeah, he actually was like third most among forwards. He had more minutes than Bacchus. He got bumped up once Krejci went down. He yeah. was the one that, that got a lot of those shifts yeah, with that also line. On, yeah, he was also on the shorthanded. He almost got three minutes of shorthanded. Even yeah, though, was, you know, we had six 
six penalties against um, conveniently more than Ottawa every every game. Five penalties, sorry, conveniently. He was the bumper on that second power play unit too. As soon as yep. Krejci went down, which I was surprised at, to be honest. But he yeah. looked he looked like he belonged out there. Um, he had six hits last night. What a game! Nice. But he's lived up to his promise of bringing offense when he came back up from Providence, mm-hmm. and he definitely he definitely is bringing it. He's he looks like a. I've said it like three times this show, but he he looks like a different player as well. A lot of players are. So that's now, a good thing. We haven't talked about it, but what about the Riley Nash penalty? Well, uh, that's, that, that, that was the kind of the segue I wanted to jump into was the uh, the talk of the officiating in this in this series, and uh, not just not just what Nash did and and uh, his idiot ta- tactics, but um, the 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 first five games of the series. I want to talk about it all because we we've, we've known in the in past episodes with with court and 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 rob in the past year that officiating's been a, a serious issue uh, when it comes to Bruins hockey and i know it affects every team in the league but to us Bruins fans we see it a lot more and it almost seems like it's a personal thing between the 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 team and the officiating crew whether or, you want to believe it or eat. not um, or our ownership Right. Because it seems, yeah. So I'm just seeing things from this officiating crew that do the jobs, and they're not doing a very good job at it. Like, um, Riley Nash hit, I mean, you you brought it up, Court. You know, he takes an elbow, or I'm sorry, a shoulder, but it was clear head contact. For sure. And... No call there, but and I understand this because I, I, I listen to a ton of different episodes, uh, uh, podcasts, and so on, and everybody says you're not going to get called on their first action. You're going to get called on the retaliation. So yeah. that little jab to the mouth, I mean, that really... I, I don't want to blame the game on him. And, nope. you know, I'm not going to blame the game on Tommy Cross, uh, uh, you know, but... Well, I, I know. No, I don't. no, you can't. You can't. No, I'm not. I'm just. It's like, a joke. Yeah, but. I know. But uh, the thing is, right, right? Riley Nash doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. I and, saw someone say that he's played like 50 odd games. He hasn't. I'm pretty sure he's played for Carolina most of his career, and, and they haven't made known, the playoffs that much. No one is a dirty hockey player, in right? Any way, yeah. Or. But the thing is, the officiating is a lot different. In the pole season, we all know that. Oh, they let um, him play. Yep. Second it's, thing, it's, if you're a Bruins player, stop effing retaliating. Because for the for the past ten years, every time a Bruins player has retaliated in the playoffs, it's only just made us lose a game every time. You you go back and look at it every game. So all you do is you take a shoulder to the head. Yeah, get annoyed. Like snap your stick against the boards, do something, but don't punch the guy in the face because we're going to get a penalty. It, it didn't make it better when Bobby Ryan was interviewed and, without saying it, said that it was a bad call and that yeah. he was—I believe he used the word "lucky bounce." He treated it like it was like a tip. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, we got a lucky bounce out there." Uh, he's like, "I saw the replay and uh, yeah, he, he, his exact words were, "I was in shock and thought they were going to take both of us." Yeah, and I mean, I've seen Montreal fans saying that the officiating has been bad during this season, 
uh, this series for the Bruins. So that that's something to say if Montreal are saying well, we're getting screwed over. Last wow. night, Hockey Night in Canada is because I've been watching the, the Canadian feed. They've been brutal on how much they've been pro-Ottawa the whole time. You know, Carlson's Bobby yeah. Orr, all this and this and that. Last night was the first time I've ever seen them when as soon as they came back after the first overtime, they were like, yeah, that was a terrible call. Like, the whole panel. Like, Ron McClain was like, oh, no, 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 the ref made a, made a right call because he's pro-ref. And everybody jumped on him, like, so quickly. of like, what are you talking about? That was definitely a goal. I don't know why they called it back. Like, they they were pretty much pro-Bruins for the rest of the game, which was pretty hilarious when you're watching a Canadian feed. There's there's two things to, to, to talk about with, with a disallowed goal. One is the fact that Bob McKenzie tweeted out two screenshots. I don't know if you guys saw it of the rules in the rule book that were looked at from that mm-hmm. replay. They are two of the most contradictory rules I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. They, it, it, it's ridiculous, and that's a problem. The other th- problem is that we've gotten to this notion in the playoffs that refs are afraid to make a play or make a call because they don't want to get involved in the game too much. They want to let the boys play. Well, I'm sorry. Letting the boys play means calling the things that are written down as illegal in the rule book that you're taught at the beginning of being a ref. Yeah. It's really not complicated. So if you're letting things go, let them all go. If and you're going to call things, call everything. There's even, no in-between. Even a former uh, referee, longtime referee, and the guy had the best hair in hockey. I actually, Carrie yeah, Kerry Frazier. He had the worst hair in hockey. I'm just kidding around. I actually yelled that to him at everyone's game. I was like, "You have the worst hair in hockey," and he kind of looked over and gave me a little uh, love. I mean, uh, uh, hate look. But uh, even he tweeted out last night that it, 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 if your body is in the crease and it's covered, it, it's a penalty shot. Yeah, even if you touch with your hand. Yeah. Anytime you're in the blue paint. Yeah. So. Whether you and, close your hand over the puck or not, it's a penalty. And these guys the looked is, at it. That's what killed me about this whole thing. It wasn't one of those yeah. calls that are like, you know, we're going to do this and that. They went to that little iPad in the penalty box and gave it a look. So To be fair, they do, they do have larger iPads in the playoffs. They're not, yeah. they're not looking at iPhones this time. Oh. Now, did, but, anybody, did anybody notice on the, the callback goal? So the ref didn't wave it off or didn't do anything until he skated over to the box. Now, what I heard is the NHL called down because they, they were talking about Hockey Night in Canada. Now, the NHL calls down, but because the ref decided to say it was no goal because goalie interference, that negates anything the NHL tells them. Oh. It doesn't matter yeah. whether the NHL tells him it's a goal or not he can decide what he wants if he said that it wasn't goaltender interference he's just calling no goal then the nhl can decide whether it's a goal or not so the ref took away the power because very very rarely i'm sorry a ref does not want to change his call he's going to call what he sees on the ice so if you notice before they even look at the ipad the two because there's two refs out there they both talked it looked like he decided before he saw the replay that he didn't care he's not calling the goal back before they even looked at the iPad, because they're showing, there's a, another replay that shows the ref talking. He looks at the other ref. He's, he, you can see the body language. He's not changing his mind regardless. Regardless of what they show him on the screen, because Hockey Night in Canada, as they said, the only reason that Curle um, gets goes up in the air is because Anderson's the one who lifts him in the air. It, Anderson's the one who made – he's trying to get out of the way. There's no – nothing that stopped Anderson from resetting. Anderson stopped himself. He would have been in that position no matter what. 
Yeah. Kelly Rudy was a goal. He Kelly Rudy was like no matter what, he would have been lying like that. It, it that should have been a goal. Game was over. He started he started falling before Corrali even made contact with him. Correct. He, he yeah. started he started to to snowball uh, Snow Angel before uh, he was even there. It, it was so unbelievably clear that it was a goal that, like you said, it it changed the minds of the Canadian broadcast, which is very difficult to do. That's that's rare that they'll all turn on on the officials, but. I was more concerned about the fact that the second one that should have been a penalty shot was reviewed in Toronto and they got it wrong. Yeah. The situation room was involved in that one and they still got it wrong. Well, no, the the situation room, the situation room doesn't get the final call. They can give their on that play as well. They talked about it. So the situation room only has a certain amount of calls that they, they take away the coach's challenge in overtime and they can review the play. That's the only reason it got reviewed. But they can make a recommendation. It doesn't mean the ref has to go along with it. So there's a difference. There's certain plays where the, the situation room can decide what the call is going to be. On this play, in the rules, they don't get to make the decision. It's actually the ref who still – they can make a recommendation. The ref still makes the call. So what's the point of having the situation room involved in For, it, recommendation, at all? Recommendation. We still don't <laughs> know. If you notice, Elliot Freeman was kind of hinting that he felt that the NHL probably told the ref that it was a goal on the on the no goal call and they went against and then if you notice when they came back from commercial what's the first thing elliot freeman he goes oh i just got an email from the nhl here's the reason it wasn't a goal but he was looking at the screen like yeah the nhl is pretty much saying it was a goal but the ref told him no it's not a goal (laughs) that's pretty bad yeah so if you look up it it's it's kind of crazy there's certain things that the the situation room can call and make it their call but a lot of the times, it's the ref. And we actually talked about this on one of my very first shows, how we were saying, to change this system, they need to take the call out of the ref's hands. If they go to review, yeah. it shouldn't be the ref's call. It should be the situation room. They've already made their call before the ref even calls in. They've seen the play. They see all the angles. I don't know why they let the ref make the call. It should be the video review is definitive proof. So take the ref out of it. I want to find out a stat of how much time has been wasted in just this series oh, yeah. on video on video calls. Because, I mean, I all the games that I've watched, it's been at least, I'd say, 10 minutes. Like, yeah. it, it's got to be at least 10 minutes. If not, One no of I... the games was five minutes alone because they had two commercial breaks during the thing. And it... Especially for a guy who is up at like half three in the morning trying to watch the game and falling asleep heavily, like every time a commercial comes on, you don't want to sit there for five minutes and just not watch anything. Watch a guy look at his phone. It's <laughs> it's pointless. So I think just scrap the challenge. It was fine before. Yeah, you got pissed off that there was a no goal thing, but you didn't get pissed off that you just sat there and watched the TV for five minutes and then got told it was a no goal. Now, they've also got to change the rule. The fact on the Achari goal, the fact that 20 seconds had gone by and they were allowed to go all the way back to when the puck actually entered the zone, when it the offside had nothing to do with the play. The puck went in the zone. There was play going in. I understand calling back a goal. If it's offside, if, if it's a line rush and they're going in, it's a bang-bang play. And it's offside and going <clears> into the zone. But they went into the zone and they controlled the puck. Ottawa had all the chance. Ottawa had the puck at one point and Boston got it back. And then we scored, but they were allowed to go back. There's no rule. So what Boston should do is just have a guy that can go in there and be like, all right, so now it's offside. So if they score and there's been no whistle, 
we'll just review it and we'll go we'll go back five minutes and go by the way there was an offside there no goal it, it should know, be it should negate it as soon as possession is changed as correct. soon as you get into the zone and the defending team has possession of the puck then you can't go back that's that's the furthest point you can go back to because I agree. otherwise it's it's just it's ludicrous how how many of these calls have happened this year it's not just in boston it happens so many more times in boston than yeah. anywhere else but happened in the Toronto game too yeah it it happens all the time and the the officiating has not been up to par not just in this series but it's decided two series already because the calgary anaheim series when anaheim tied that game the i believe it was game 3 that was a clear high stick and yep. it was you're listening to the black and gold hockey podcast you can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Missed on review. And then the way the officiating in the Pittsburgh-Columbus series has gone is ridiculous. Well, uh, the, Leaf, the Leaf game last night, Anderson was hugging one of the uh, uh, the Washington players, and they called it. they ruled it goaltender interference when Anderson made the initial contact with the Washington player. How is that goaltender interference that the goalie made the contact? The player didn't make the contact. The goalie they, did. They don't seem to understand what the definition of that is. There needs to be a, a very clear cut definition of what goaltender interference is that takes all the gray area away because that's where they're having trouble. Yeah, and, it's definitive. Yeah, and the league needs to come up with some sort of definitive policy on spearing as well because we've seen three different incidents in the last two, two and a half weeks uh, with three very different reactions to them and there isn't a lot different between each of the actual incidents the crosby on o'reilly spear the marshawn on dachin spear and the dry on tierney spear i thought the dry one was the worst oh easily and he got fined i thought that that's clearly not a hockey play and it's an attempt to injure you're steer you're spearing a guy in the balls this it's very clearly, to injure the person. So why what, are you just finding that? What about the, uh, was it Niskanen last night on Kadri, where he nearly oh. hacked his leg off? Oh my I God. Didn't even think. But he I actually hit the arm. I'm going to say... No, I, no, no. Ovechkin touches him on the arm. Ovechkin oh, okay. hits him on the arm. Yeah. Niskanen Grab hits him with the blade of his stick right in the back of his knee. And you know, and you know why that happened? Because there's no longer an, there's an instigator penalty now. Kadri yep. deserved to get the living daylights beat out of him last oh, night. Oh, yeah. But he did. And they're saying it's a clean hit. That's fine. I know Ovechkin was going out of his way, but you don't yeah. need to bend over like you did because regardless whether he was getting out of his way, you were going at below the belt. You were trying oh, no. to. Because Kadri's a POS, but I mean, like, <laughs> he's going to get away with so much stuff, it's unreal. And, like, like if that was Marshand and he stuck a knee out, he'd be gone for the playoffs. But unfortunately, Marshand's got that name now, so he can't do anything. Yeah, but I thought, I thought Borowiecki had that name too, and uh, we didn't see anything happen to him. No, yeah, but, but we got, also he, saw Borowiecki get yeah. killed. Yeah, and we got the, the taken karma, out of the game. Karma yeah. police, karma, karma, yeah. karma police came after him. And and sorry, but none of the Bruins really did anything. Yeah. <laughs> he nope. kind of just took himself out of the game so i'm not joking i watched that on tv and i clapped while that guy walked down the tunnel 
because that was the funniest thing I'd seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that have made memes of that where he like trips on a banana skin and stuff. <laughs> so if you can find them on Twitter, it is hilarious. Um, but but the the thing I'm I think with officiating, give them them Samsung phones that set on fire when you charge them too long, <laughs> right? And then when they go to the box after like two minutes, you'll see them pay, playing hot potato. <laughs> so they'll have to take like a minute and a half to call. So that that's the only way I I think they should just get get rid of it. Get rid of the call. It's obviously not worked. It's obviously slowed the game down, and we're meant to be speeding it up. Yeah, they, they take Just it out of the refs' hands. It won't be as long. Yeah, that's that's what's really causing all the delay is that the refs are trying to look at all these angles on one screen, and they cycle through them, and they look at them multiple times, slow them down, speed them up. That's all the situation Roman Toronto does the entire night. They look at all the games at every angle they possibly can. That call is going to be made within 60 seconds in the situation room based on the resources they have. Because they're going to look at it as soon as it happens. They're not going to wait for a whistle. Take it out of the ref's hands. Give it to the situation room. You're going to get it right more often. And you're going to shave a ton of time off the review. Oh, and you know we talked about um, the whole uh, do refs favor teams that uh, – or – uh, unfavorite to teams that have caused an NHL referee harm. Look at the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, uh, Calgary. I, I believe it was Vermette that slashed one of the refs. Or Calgary it? actually was the second most penalized team in the league this year after not being even yeah, well, close. Yeah, with with Weidman. But I mean, yeah. former Vermette, Vermette uh, hit the ref in the ass. Stick. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, since then. I think Anaheim have had more stuff go, go like calls go right for them than have gone wrong. So maybe yeah, one of the Bruins you, players could give the ref a bit of a shove and well, in the get calls going right. In the Vermette situation, Anaheim chastised their own player but, and pretty much sold them out. But in in the Calgary situation, they stood up for their player, and as as a lot of Calgary fans can, can they want that guy gone now. <laughs> He's like that. Well, yeah. Well, he's been bad luck on every team that he's been well, on. He has the most famous hockey meme ever of him on the breakaway. That's the best breakaway I've ever seen in my life. Where he oh, no. no, it isn't. No, it isn't. The best breakaway. Oh, what's his name? Patrick the... No, yeah. Cody McLeod for um, uh, uh, what they call Colorado Avalanche oh. this season, where he turns around and passes it back. Oh, oh. Blake Como on, oh, the, on the drop Como? pass? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That was just another example. Yeah. Yeah, but, Colorado doing Colorado things. But, but Weidman actually <laughs> tries to deke out the goalie, falls and goes into the corner and hurts himself. That's yeah, that, that, one's, that, one's, that one's pretty good, too. He hurts himself. Yeah, but to see a guy actually get fooled by the stick tap, you know, the thing that the defenseman yeah, yeah. always does? Like, to see an NHL player get tricked by that is the funniest thing you'll ever see. Fair enough. I, and I couldn't believe it actually happened. I thought I'd never see that work. But Well... As uh, as the hour uh, is coming to a close, I'd like to do uh, real quick um, the prospect update. It's fired at the net, just missed by JT Comfort. Here's Notre Dame back the other way. Bjork fires, scores. Notre Dame ties it up.
there by Gilbert. Taken back by Greenway. To the middle. McAvoy scores! Unloads a one-timer, and it's a 3-1 lead for the Terriers. Uh, the Providence Bruins are in the uh, Calder Cup playoffs for the fifth straight season, and they are matched up against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, last night, a convincing win, um, a two-to-one victory uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, um, and they did it on the special teams, the power play especially. Uh, in the first period, Jake DeBrusque scored the power play goal at 2-11 from Peter Mueller and Matt Grizzlick. And in the third period, uh, Danton Heinen got involved with a, an assist from Peter Klaharik and Wayne Simpson at 6-12. A power play, like I said. Very good game, back and forth. Um, this this Wilkes-Barre Scranton team is, is deadly scary. They had 107 points this season and got, uh, I'm not sure what the trophy name is, but it is the, um, it's like the President's Trophy for the NHL Um They've been in the playoffs now for 15 straight years, and they are no joke. Uh, haven't won called the Cups, or many, uh, but they are um, a serious team in the first two rounds. And in the last four years of the playoffs, uh, the Providence Bruins have been out by this team. Two in the second round and two in the first round, dating back to last season, when they got swept uh, three to nothing, so uh, a victory on home ice against this team is huge. Um, and this is kind of funny the way the AHL works because the first round is a best of five, and it's weird because the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins were the best team in the league, so you'd think that they get the home ice advantage, but no, not in the AHL. It's so strange that the first two games are in Providence. The third and fourth and fifth are in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. So, um, great game last night. I watched it. I watched them both simultaneously. It was kind of crazy. But um, I, I managed to have one eye on that game and one eye on the AHLB. So, uh, a couple players that were scratched that were hoping going to get um, uh, some time, like we said earlier. Jesse Gabriel, he only played in one regular season game at the end of the year. Uh, he was a healthy scratch. Uh, Jeremy Lawson, defenseman uh, from the Roy Naranda Huskies that uh, recently got out of the Quebec Major Junior Playoffs. Uh, he was a scratch. And uh, forward Zach Zenishin from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Uh, he is also a scratch. Um, the next game, game number two, is tomorrow at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island at 3.05 p.m. If you have ways to stream it, Check it out. It's good hockey, good playoff hockey. They could use the support. Uh, game three is Thursday at the Mohegan Sun Arena at 7.05. Game four is Friday at the Mohegan Sun Arena at 7.05 if necessary. And game number five is Sunday at the Mohegan Sun Arena at 3.05. And that's also if necessary. 
the only prospect that's still alive in the in the Canadian Junior Playoffs, and that happens to be the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, is the Jacobs Borel and the St. John's Sea Dogs. Uh, the Sea Dogs got a 4-1 to victory over Shikudemi last night in game number one of their uh, semifinal matchup at Harbour Centre in St. John, New Brunswick. The ball had two shots on goal and looks to get back on the score sheet um, when the two teams play tonight from the Harbour Center Arena, Harbour Station Arena at 7 p.m. And I will be watching that game and will be providing updates on Twitter and Facebook. So check it out. Uh, and that is it for the Prospect Report. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Hey, just wanted to mention it was Chris Weidman who chirped Krejci. Uh, (laughs) And Marshan has come out to uh, call the guy classless. And if you're getting called classless by Marshan, then you're pretty classless. (laughs) Right. Chris Weidman was the guy that hit him. Yeah, and he chirped him. That's really, dude? Yeah. Really? That's... He's going to get his clock cleaned tomorrow by somebody somewhere, some way, because he's, he just put a target on his back for the rest yeah. of the series. So This Marshall is also to... Chris Weidman, the smallest defenseman on the Ottawa Senators, dead. <laughs> well, not dead. I won't say dead. That's bad, mm-hmm. but crushed. Yeah. He's definitely crushed. Step back away on him. I, no, I can just see Bacchus' oh, like, we need, we need head and legs <laughs> sticking out the board and just Illa crushed him through it. He's going to hit him like a train. So, I can't wait. Can we officially say McAvoy Mania is real? And he's got two points now. McAvoy Mania. Um, he's, playing, he, he's playing 28 minutes a game because uh, we're going to overtime pretty much every game. Uh, he's good. Absolutely. Like, real the, good. the thing I'm really excited for with this whole like McAvoy thing is... Oh. I'd rather call it youth infusion mania because I mean you've got you're gonna have next season McAvoy and Carlo like oh. the top top two defensemen on the right side. It's awesome. Um, and then you've got Chara and Krug. and Krug. If Chara sticks around, he'll we'll be see. here one more year. Uh, um, Willie, we don't I'm, know how far this playoffs. I'm putting my go. short podcast podcast career on the line. Um, I say it takes, for one, it more takes one injury during these playoffs to yeah. make that not this next year. But um, I, I just I, I like what's happening with the with the young guys being trusted over guys who have been around a few years, and it just seems like they're gonna go with that four lines of skill and speed. Yeah, baby. Uh, that's what we've been waiting for all this time. All all year we have done this podcast, all we have asked for is four lines of skill and speed. Yeah. And now that Cassidy's here and we have the depth with the college signings, there is four lines of skill and speed. And so we can also say that we can never complain that our defense is not that good because we miss them all. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Very, very dearly. Right but now also I'll never say you... Adam McQuaid's bad. <laughs> Yeah, and what you were saying about um, Kevin Miller being the the lock-in for the... The last spot. Yeah, the last spot. I mean, he's looking a hell of a lot better than Colin Miller at the moment. Oh, 100%. Um, I've I've been preaching Colin Miller all year, and after the play I've seen of Kevin Miller, he 
he is just proving me wrong, and I'm happy that he's proving me wrong. He's he's getting tons of minutes. Uh, he got more minutes than McAvoy, so he was the second most last night for our defense, and he earned it. Yeah. It's not that he's doing it on the score sheet. He's getting pucks out. He's not chipping them over the glass. We can all roll our eyes right now. He's not chipping <laughs> them over the glass. Shot the captain. Yeah, he's, he's looking first before he dumps the puck away, and he's not giving away the puck. He's playing solid defense. Solid. Uh, I, I've been does very... Your, does your dad listen to this podcast by any chance? Mine? Yeah. He, he is. He's in the other room. I was going to say, does he know you're chirping at the captain of the Bruins? <laughs> oh, no, he's okay with that. <laughs> I'm, not chirp, you... I'm, not, I'm not chirping him. I What Chara did, I don't think, I, I still say, he did not mean to do it. He was, he, he, you got to remember, he's he's a pretty big guy. He doesn't know his own strength sometimes. And he, <laughs> He was he was he was making up for Marshan's mistake and unfortunately cost himself a mistake. Marshan decided not to take the defenseman and he tried to get it out and it went over the glass. You just described Chara as a pee wee defenseman. You just oh. said you don't. He doesn't know his own strength. Yeah, well, well, he made a play pee-wee. like a pee wee defenseman yeah. last, uh, last well, night. So, oh, yeah. so did more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of defensemen, um, Tory Krug return. Tory Krug's return. Um, is uh, doubtful, or it's um, we'll see what happens, kind of say. But Cassidy said that he's been skating, and um, possibility could be ready for Game Six. Uh, he's that... been skating with a non-contact jersey, though, hasn't he? Right, right. I'm, yeah. but skating to me, I'm just happy the guy's skating. Good yeah, for him. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. miss him. I miss him a lot. I, I I've realized he had such a great year. It was terrible. I, I might have been the curse. I write a great article about him, how much I changed my mind about him as a defenseman, and then he goes down. I mean, we we said at one point about the fact that he was he seemed to be one of the most quiet defensemen out there, but he was also putting up all-star defenseman numbers with mm-hmm. assists. So, I mean, Tory Krug is what the Bruins need, and... If he comes back this playoffs, I think we'll see a totally different team. But if he doesn't, I think he's going to be one of the core guys going forward over the yeah, next few seasons. Especially on the power play. We, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so missed on the power play. So missed. Yep. Um, real quick, uh, Tuka Rask, unbelievable. I always have to praise him and his efforts, um, especially last night going, uh, I think it was 80-something, 81 minutes. Um Unbelievable. Um, one thing I really want to touch on before I, we get into our um, a preview about tomorrow's uh, Game 6 is I've noticed, and I, I might be weird like this, but I do notice when I see interviews, respect. I, I feel there's a very high amount of respect between Bruce Cassidy and um, Guy, Guy Boucher. Uh, have you guys listened to any of their interviews at all? No. Not a ton, no. They, Bruce they Cassidy's do... interview was awesome last night. Okay. Awesome. Right. I, I just, I, you know, it's more or less that the, these guys are playing well, we're playing well. I, I just, I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm just a little strange about it, but um, it, it just you can see and hear the respect in their body language and so on. So I just wanted to... It, it's... It, it's funny you say that, Mark. My dad said to me today, uh, when I, he was talking about everything, the one thing he wanted to talk about was how good Cassidy was on not blaming it on the refs or 
going after the refs. He did make the joke about the I can't believe you have to score two goals to win in overtime. Right, right. That, that that was fun. He did. He wasn't classless. He left right. it alone and avoided it and just talked about the game itself and didn't talk about the things that everybody wanted to talk about. That more, was just literally clickbait. Yeah, more or less. That's basically what I wanted to say. He didn't. He didn't take the attention and put it on the zebras and what and their actions on the ice. But you know, he kind of like toned it down on the questions, but more or less wanted to hear questions about the game and his team. So. I I like that, and the same thing with Boucher. I I mean, I watching his interview last night. He was more or less like, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know, these things happen. You know, we have to move on, and and we have to prepare. And the, this team's good, and this team's, you know, it was just. So I really lot of lot of respect that I just wanted to say something about. Did, did anybody see the replay of Don Sweeney when the goal was scored? Oh, you see it Don? was amazing. That was amazing. He so, dropped so many f bombs over and over. Over again, and don't read lips, kids. But you can tell exactly what he's saying. It was wrong. <laughs> All right. Is, uh, just a little outside of the Bruins news, really quickly. Has anyone seen the uh, GM of Chicago do his little press conference? Scotty, no. not Scott if you Bowen. haven't, Dan Bowman, go uh, go and watch that as soon as we finish doing this. And that is what I want to see from Sweeney next season if they don't produce again. But I don't like, want to see Sweeney giving $20 million to two players. No, but at the same time, watch what this guy talks about and how he says it, and oh my God, it it even gets me pumped up, and I'm not a Chicago fan. It kind of just goes out on the entire team, says it's not good enough. He's one of those GMs who you know if you've done something wrong. Um, I think it's kind of... Peter Chiarelli had two stones down there. That's kind of what you'd have expected. Love it, love um, it. Well, well, he always seemed to pass it off to everyone else. Oh, no, yeah, he, I'll say, you tell it, Sagan he's being traded. It, you, you do this. It seemed like Chiarelli always had Neely um, with two hands over his shoulder, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Every now and then. Well, as we close up, um, we should have done this a little earlier, but, you know, this, this happens when we get talking and we just sometimes get a little out of control, which I love because I, I love talking hockey and I know you guys all do too. But let's have a collaborative effort right here and uh, let's talk about game six. Um, I, I'll, I'll go first about my expectations. Uh, I definitely want to see a strong home game uh, and a lot stronger than we have in the past too. Um you got to stay out of the box, uh, and and if if you if you can harp on the the harp on and expose the weaknesses that this Ottawa Senators team have that we've all seen do with the Corrali goals. That's a perfect example of how to get things done. Get in the dirty areas where the, that one three one defense is not allowing you to get close to. So. Um, stay out of the box, play a game, play well in front of your fans, and, and definitely, you know, f- force that game seven back into their barn and, and, and hopefully get it done. I mean, but I, I want to go back to what Rob said at the beginning of the show is we're happy. I'm, a, I'm ecstatic that this team has gotten this far. You made the playoffs and you potentially 
could go into a second round. This is a second round for me is bonus, absolutely bonus, yeah. and it's awesome. And I hope they continue. So, um, I'm excited. I I hope for a win. If you get the lead, please keep it. Uh, don't sit back like we've seen in the past. But um, I just want to see a good game tomorrow night. Uh, you guys, one hundred percent agree with you. I um. I know we'll probably get chastised by some people on the uh, the internet about uh, saying I'm just happy they made the playoffs, but I really am. I didn't think they were going to make it. Um, I just didn't see it with the way they were playing. But I'm I'm happy that we're getting a game six when they scored that goal. I was like, oh, I get to watch hockey again on Sunday. It's not <laughs> over yet. Like this is amazing. <clears throat> I don't know. They, they're exciting me. I look at this series right now, and it's been a coin flip. You know, the games have gone to overtime. It could be a totally different series right now. We could have won it. And if, if we do win the series, and I really, right now, the momentum is in, in our favor. If we win this series, we won it with pure team determination because we've had so many players injured, so many so many things going against the Bruins that they've come together as this, this new team. And that excites me just even if we lose going into next season, this core and these new guys that are coming in, it's exciting. Just exciting. Spencer, go uh, for it. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. Well, I'll 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 push back a little bit on on the uh, happy just to make the playoffs. I I I'm with you guys. I didn't think that they were going to. I'm thrilled that they are, but I also don't think Ottawa is very good. Um, that uh, they are the only team in the league to make the playoffs with a negative goal differential. Uh, they're a really boring team to watch because of the trap. Uh, I don't think that they are good enough to do much in the playoffs and i think that the bruins team can beat them so being down 3-1 was frustrating but the way it happened i understand why they were down 3-1 and if they come out strong tomorrow and they are aware that they're playing a hockey game in the first period because i'm not sure they were last night uh i think that they're they're gonna be fine I think that they can absolutely handle this team because it does not have the offensive firepower save for Eric Carlson. And Craig Anderson can be exposed. Go, go to the net. Corrali did a masterful job of it last night. You have all the, the talent in the world to drive the net and get shots on. Just keep doing that. And maybe don't do what Char did on the second goal last night and completely forget that you're playing one half of the ice and just kind of roam towards the puck. <laughs> Good points. Um, I just think there's there's a few keys to beating Ottawa. One of them is something that we missed from the Claude Julian era, and that is dump and chase. Mm. It's the only way to beat the trap. If you get if you loft the puck into the zone, there's no way they can stop it getting in there. Um. They're killing us with the dump and chase game because yeah. all they're doing is chucking the puck over the top of the defenseman. Yep. Um, another thing is uh, play one-one defense, one defenseman behind the other, so you don't get caught with two going up. Um, that's one thing to do. And then there's two players to cover. Well, there's three players to cover on the ice. Eric Eric Carlson, who you can't cover, so just stop him skating it out. Uh, Peugeot because that guy is fast and will just lose a defenseman like it's nothing and the guy that I said was going to be the scoring leader for them Bobby Ryan 
just have someone stood next to him at all times because he's just on fire at the moment. Do all that, and I think you win. But yeah, just don't let Bobby Ryan take the second shot. If you notice yeah. all his goals, it's on the second rebound. Shot. Yeah. yeah, he gets his rebound. Yeah, but it it's you've just got to. I think you with Ottawa, you've got to play a near perfect game to win because they don't make a lot of mistakes. I, I mean, they'll give well, the puck up, but they've the always got does. a man covering it. But well, the goalie, the goalie does. He's I mean, terrible with the puck. Well, he's not terrible. He's, I, I get it, he gives up the puck for one goal, but I mean, he's kind of killed us this series. He's made some just stupidly outstanding saves. If Tuka Rask had made some of the blunders that he's made when he tries to play the puck behind oh, the yeah. net, It'd our fan crazy. base would have <laughs> lynched this guy by now. Yeah. But, I mean, just, I think if they play a heavy game, they win. That's the main thing. All their players are hurting right now. All their players are like, like Borvieski went down in the game. Just, if someone's going to hit you, try and move out of the way. Try and get out of the way. If someone gets frustrated with you and slashes you, don't retaliate. Skate off. Go and get a change. If you feel that angry and you need to punch someone, get on the bench. Turn around and punch one of the coaches. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Stop giving. Come here, Joe Sacco. He's used to it. Yeah. He was in. He was in a Colorado Avalanche coach. He's definitely used to it. <laughs> yeah. Can we, not, can we not have one of the coaches like holding a punch bag, just yeah. so they can get off and like you'd just have Riley Nash sat there giving like cheap shots to the face, but it's it's all good. Like I, I really think. It doesn't matter if we get on to the second round. It does, but it doesn't at the same time. Uh, we're all Bruins fans. We want to see him raise the cup, but I really don't think that's happening this series. Right. So, yeah. Well, Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we have definitely gone past, well, close to uh, one of our longer shows, but uh, I definitely want to um, say thank you to Spencer uh, for joining us. Um, thank you for uh, doing the short notice research. I thought you brought a lot to the show, um, and thank you very much. Um, definitely follow Spencer at... Oh, I should, I got rid of my notes. Um, Spencer, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, it's at PuckNerdHockey. Um, it has a link to my YouTube channel in the bio page, and because I couldn't fit all of it into the bio page, the YouTube channel in the About section has the link to the podcast as well. Uh, definitely check those out. Uh, content will definitely start going up more and more as I get into the summertime. Uh, it's a little easier when I don't have class during the week. So definitely check those out. Um, I appreciate all the support. This was really cool for me to be able to do this. I appreciate you guys thinking of me and asking me to be a part of this. Oh, um, man. A- after this, you're, you're, you're going to be welcome on a couple more times, bud. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're a fantastic I- guest. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right. Um, I think we're just going to close it up. Listen, I, I really hope that we uh, can talk again next week. Uh, there's nothing more that I want to do and continue to talk hockey on this podcast. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen with what the team can do tomorrow afternoon and uh, hopefully Wednesday night. So, 
Um, let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, even if it does end on Monday, I'm sorry, tomorrow or Wednesday, we are still going to be back um, sometime soon to talk expansion draft, uh, NHL entry draft, free agency. So we do have some stuff that's going to be planned for the summer. Uh, we might go to a limited schedule because that's golf season for me and court and, you know, who knows, but um, we'll definitely keep going and then bring you guys into the next season uh, appropriately. So we have a lot of exciting things coming up. I'm working on uh, new advertising, new new stuff, um, audio inserts and so on. So, uh, again, thank you all for the support. We hope to talk to you again next week. Um, you can find me, Mark, at Black and Gold 277. You can find Court at Court Lalonde. You can find Rob at Rob 40 Bruins. You can follow the podcast uh, uh, official account, Black, the letter N, Gold Pod. And um, guys, go Bruins. Yeah, let's get it done. Yeah, please. <laughs> let's, let's try to get through a game without giving a third of our fan base a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But hey, let's go let's go a game without giving away free penalties. Yeah. yeah too many men on the ice, flipping the puck over the ice. How many too many ends? We got two two too many ends and a uh, one one over the glass last game. I, I feel like my mic team had better uh, discipline than these guys. <laughs> oh one thing I, I did try sorry, I was gonna say try and get more than a one goal lead because all these games have been by one goal. So I mean, we need to we need to really ramp up the offense from the oh, start. And, and please don't go to overtime tomorrow. I have hockey at seven forty-five, and I, I <laughs> just just saying. Um, one thing I did forget to mention that we are we broadcast on five worldwide um, platforms. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, SoundCloud and Stitcher Radio. Uh, we ask that if you are listening through uh, the iTunes app, uh, would you please go to our page and uh, give us a rating and a comment. Uh, by doing so, you give us um, uh, a better way to to get our stuff out there. Um, and it, it, it's a whole rating system, so it's really cool. And we appreciate any anything you can do. Also, for... Don, people, someone watched the replay of Eric Stahl going to the boards. It I looks just, really bad. I just saw I saw that. Oh. I'm actually watching the game right now. No good. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Court. And especially thank you, Spencer. Uh, that was awesome. And we look forward to having you on again, buddy. I appreciate it. I look forward to, uh, to getting to chat with you guys again. It's always fun to talk hockey with people that know what they're talking about. <laughs> Wow. wow, we appreciate that. That's really cool, man. <laughs> Thanks. All right, everybody, take care, and we'll hope to talk to you again. Thanks for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material. Hey.